<laughs> Gee whiz, I can't speak today. Good morning, everybody. Uneducated economist here. So, nobody's in the chat quite yet. Um, what should we talk about in the meantime? It's going to be 90 degrees. From what I understand, it's going to be somewhere between 80 and 90 degrees here in Clatsop County. And that is, like, incredibly hot for everybody here. We're used to, like, 70-degree weather and overcast and raining. So, today ought to be one heck of a beautiful day. And I am very much looking forward to it. So let's jump right into this. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the futures market, especially when it comes to lumber, the lumber futures market. Slow down. All right. Uh, typically, a contract for lumber futures would be 110,000 board feet, which is just an amazing amount of lumber. That would fill up an entire rail car, like a train rail car. That would be a typical size of a lumber futures contract. Starting next month, they are going to be issuing out contracts a quarter of the size. Now, I can't imagine what this is going to do to the lumber futures market, at least for the buyers who get into this, because most people are not going to be speculating on a 110,000 board foot contract. That is just so much lumber that, you know, the speculation inside of it is probably not going to be per real prevalent, like a lot of people say is what happened during like the run up to 1700 per thousand of course you know if you follow this channel we knew that it was due to a severe supply chain breakdown and i had reported on that all throughout 2019 but the new contracts these things are going to be a quarter of the size of what they once were down to a truckload size now this is incredible because to think about like lumber yards like i work at a really small lumber yard and the idea that we were going to buy a futures contract for lumber delivery i mean Lumber yards just don't do that. This is more of like the either like the major home builders out there or like you know the brokers who deal in major major distribution of lumber. They're the ones who typically would would buy lumber futures contract. But starting next month at a quarter of the size, well a truckload of lumber is typical for a lumber yard to receive. So this should start adding a lot more liquidity and speculation into the market because you know obviously if it's a lot less money then there's going to be a lot more people out there who can speculate in it but also the idea that you could have more lumber yards or distribution networks pricking up those lumber future prices at a quarter of the price or a quarter of the size seems like it would bring in a lot more people into that market so i can't imagine what this is going to do to the lumber futures price but i could just kind of imagine that when you have such dramatic swings like we have had just recently that this would cause the equilibrium to be a little bit more prevalent like you know to find out where it is that the lumber futures price should really be because if you have a lot more buyers into it then you got a lot more sellers buyers that usually brings in like the accurate price if you have like just a handful of people who are playing the game the price could really swing dramatically and then I, so i'm leaving that link down in the description for you guys the other, um, the other link that I'm going to leave, the other article is uh, talking about the, the home builders are getting cancellations. At least, I hope that's the link I left. I kind of did this in a hurry. Uh, but the home builders are receiving a lot more cancellations. Now, this is the sign that we're looking for. We're looking for more inventory to come to the market for the prices to come down. Now, if people are starting to cancel their orders, that's going to be that's going to be really damaging to these home builders out there and they will probably drop their prices in order to keep those cancellations from going through 
and I could just I could just imagine that this is going to start bringing down the real estate. A lot of people are talking about it all over the place as far as their their local areas and seeing the prices drop and dropping pretty dramatically. Well, this is going to add to that to that possibility. How far down they go, nobody knows, but considering how high they have gone to over the last couple of years or even just the last, you know, decade really. But just really, especially over the last few years since the pandemic, I mean, even the house that I had purchased has gone up better than, um, geez, better than 10% um, just in the six, seven months that I have had it. I could really see where the prices could have a lot of room to come down and it's starting to show the signs of that. So between these two, two situations, as far as the lumber futures contract becoming a lot smaller and bringing in more possible buyers into that market, should add a little bit of stability there and then when the home builders are starting to feel the pain you could see where the lumber futures probably won't jump up to the you know thousand per thousand again i could see maybe 800 per thousand and dance around somewhere around the six to 650 on the low end to me somewhere in between that's going to be where the equilibrium lands at of course time will tell on that and i would assume that considering that those contracts don't start up for I believe another six weeks or something like that before they start issuing out those, that the lumber futures and the housing prices, we're gonna find out a lot more information come the end of summer. Now, personally, I work at a lumber yard, I do retail sales for a living, and I'm starting to see a lot more customers coming in. We are selling a lot more decks and people, you know, like the deck packages, a lot more people are coming in looking for those, looking for pricing on them. They're hearing about the lumber futures are down. They're jumping into their projects. So even though the home builders are slowing down, the retail is starting to pick up a little bit. Now, I don't think that the retail can make up for the slowdown in home building if that is to take place. But it does show a sign that there is interest on the retail side of things. And a lot of people just don't look at the retail of lumber like they just look at the home builders and say that's where all the the lumber goes to but it's not i mean there is a huge amount of lumber that goes to the retail market people building decks and fences and chicken coops and woodsheds and building their own garages and stuff like that things that are not necessarily the home builders purchasing the lumber driving the prices up so or down depending if they're not buying so that's really the situation that we're coming into. I just wanted to make this video and come out here on the live stream to talk a little bit about that. I have probably about 25 minutes out here. There's 298 of you. If you go and hit that thumbs up, we'll get a lot more people looking at this video. It'll start sent, the algorithm will pick it up and start pushing it out there for everybody to, uh, to join in and, and uh, have a discussion on this. So what do you guys think? I read that estimated 60,000 home purchases agreements that were under contract have fallen through in June. Holy moly, 60,000, that is painful. Can you imagine being a builder in the middle of your project and having a cancellation take place? Like, what are you gonna do about that project? Or even if it's coming to an end in that, you know, the, you know, most of the time, if it's a project that's probably going that far, it's probably gonna go through. But starting a new one, like, you know, if people are like, I have this contract to have a home built, and all of a sudden they're pulling that one off the market. So if that's 60,000, think about it, that's gonna be less homes coming onto market. I mean, that's like homes that are not gonna get built, leaving the available inventory right now and just the demand or lack of demand, creating the inventory levels to bring the prices down. Does that kind of make sense? So if you have 60,000 contracts, if this is accurate, 
If you have 60,000 contracts to build homes and those things get canceled, then that's 60,000 homes that aren't coming onto market. My dad left my mom when I was six months old. UE, will you be my dad? Wow. That's a weird comment. Okay. Um, he just called me nobody. I, I, I didn't call you nobody. Wow. <laughs> uh, hope you're having a great Monday, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, the market will crash more than in 2008. And I have to figure, why? Why would that happen? I mean, really, it's an inventory level that's going to do it or the extremely high mortgage rates or something that will prevent people from actually being able to take out a loan, which is kind of happening now. I mean, we're starting to find a lot more people are getting priced out of the market, especially once the mortgage rates go up and the people are just not able to make that monthly payment but considering that like 30 like 30 percent of homes now are sold to all cash buyers i don't know if that's still the case but that was just a few months ago if that's the case well it doesn't really matter what the interest rates are to those cash buyers they're they're they don't care i mean it's just like they're buying all in cash anyway so i don't know what is going to cause the 2008 crash like scenario thanks for the streams bud good content well thank you very much chandler that is very nice of you Let's see here. I got a super chat up there. What was the question on that? All right. T-E-T-N-T-M? Tentum? <laughs> Congrats on the 100,000. I know I'm a little late. Well, that's okay, man. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm going to get that silver. I finally got the uh, got the code and everything to get my silver play button award. So that should be coming soon. And once I get it, I'll... I'll um, unpackage it here on a on a video for you all right let's get down there to the bottom let's see i got about another 20 minutes here left i'm currently in the process of building a house i noticed the lumber futures are down lumber is down but floor joist packages and truss packages are still way up what's your take on that um yeah now lumber like the secondary products like you got to think you know manufactured products like ijoice or plywood or trusses th something that's beyond just the milled lumber that still has a lot of issues going on with it including lumber but mainly it's like a lot of labor issues that are going in with it and then the osb manufacturers there was an issue that had taken place i don't know like back towards the end of 2019 and i'm not exactly sure like why these excuse me why these mills were shutting down or curtailing their development towards the end of 2019 but there was like the iJoyce, the LVL, um, OSB, these all took a major hit towards the end of 2019 and they never seemed to quite recover in the, you know, in the sense that they once were, where like the availability of these things were just everywhere. I get, like, I have a lot of people who mention on the channel that they are having difficulties getting iJoyce and LVLs and, and trusses. And when I talk to like some of the local people here, at least my vendors that I talk to, anytime that I've ever tried to order any of the like fabricated engineered products, I've never had an issue getting them. What has happened though, is they say, hold on one second, which never happens. They go and talk to somebody and then they come back and say, okay, I'll sell you that. So they're getting permission or something. Obviously there's allocations taking place because there's just simply not enough of it. That's the only thing I can really think of is that during that 2019 or towards the end of 2019 to the early part of 2020 when the pandemic kicked in, and then we had issues like 
with that Texas storm, they knocked out a resin plant. Um, I can't remember the name of that resin right offhand, but it was a major component inside of the glue that they use for a lot of these engineered products. All that combined is still limiting the amount of engineered products like the floor joists and you know LVLs and stuff like that. So I would imagine that that's probably going to be you know still probably the case as far as keeping those things limited on the markets. And then also the labor factor and transportation issues, which that stuff is starting to free up. We're starting to hear of a lot more truckers who are saying that they are, you know, well, not necessarily the truckers, but the, what is it? The um, load rejection rate has dropped dramatically. So like, you know, you have like all these people who need these deliveries made and the truckers at the time were picking and choosing all the best ones and they were rejecting the other ones. Well, that rate of rejection is dropping dramatically right now. Plywood is still up. Uh, it is. Now, considering that it was $80 a sheet at its peak and right now I'm selling it for $39 a sheet and we're talking half inch CDX 5 ply. I'm getting reports of people who are saying they're getting it all the way down to 30 in less than 30 down into the $20 a sheet. Now, that's a price that is getting really close to the normal. I mean really like normal sheet of plywood would be like 18 to 22 dollars a sheet that would be considered something normal so to me anything into the 20 dollar a sheet range that's like that's killer prices and like i said right now we're selling them at 39 dollars a sheet two weeks ago we had it at 56 so plywood's dropping and it's dropping fast all right i got another super chat there let's take a look at that question thank you very much hf for the 9.99 super chat Appreciate you sharing the knowledge. Have a good day, my friend. Well, thank you very much for the super chat. I really appreciate that. Question, what do you think is the biggest issue currently in regards to the financial system? Um, inflation expectation is still incredibly high. That's going to drive the treasuries ever higher. I mean, the Federal Reserve had even mentioned it that they're... I mean, didn't mention it, they said it straight up, that their forward guidance, their jawboning, or their credible threat, just the idea of bringing in higher interest rates into the future, like lifting the Fed funds rate of, you know, three quarters of a point or even more, that gets the market out there trying to condition themselves into a position in which that they will, that those things have already happened. So like before the Federal Reserve lifts the interest rates, that three quarter of a percentage point, if the Fed puts out the information that they're going to do this, then the markets will condition themselves to be in that position. Whether the Federal Reserve does anything or not, that's another story. Now, typically, they would have to go through with that, with that, you know, credible threat or else they lose their credibility, which a lot of people are going to say they already lost their credibility, even though they hang on every word that the Federal Reserve says. The Federal Reserve will lift the interest rates, you know, that three quarters of a percentage point just to keep from spooking the markets out too much. But when we start hearing them say the words data dependent, then we're going to know that things are starting to shift on them. But right now, I feel that the interest rates are going to rise, whether the Federal Reserve actually acts or not, just because everybody feels that there's still so much dramatic inflation going on out there and going to continue into the future. That's the inflation expectation. And that's going to cause the interest rates on the 10-year Treasury to, well, right now we see it falling comparatively to like the shorter term. That's the inverted yield curve, which shows that like, the investors or the market is really nervous about the short term and that's why they're demanding a higher interest rate for it. But really, if you follow the 10-year, that's going to dictate where all the rest of the interest rates go on all the loans that are out there, car loans, house loans, everything. They kind of follow where the 10-year goes. But when it comes to the mortgage rates, 
it's the same thing. I mean, if they're in fear of the future, then those mortgage rates are going to rise as well. And, you know, what was the question again? I already guess lost track of what it was. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and that's, I guess, that yeah, that's what I feel is going on in the financial system. Uh, demanding, you know, again, like if you have high, you know, it, that in turn, like if you have difficulties issuing out loans or being nervous about the loan, then most likely you're probably going to demand a better credit rating or a more qualified buyer during those times. So that's also going to limit the amount of, uh, of loans issued. Let's see here. Michael, what is that? WI34. Those dice are looking clean today, brother. Have you listened to Peter Zion? I haven't. What do you think about his theory with the world population decreasing, specifically China? Make it a good day. I will. Well, much love from Wisconsin. Right on. Well, I have family from Wisconsin. Um, just to let you know. So that's, that's close to home. Um, I haven't listened to him, but I have heard other people talk about the demographics issue. And that's one of the things that the Federal Reserve was actually complaining about. I don't know about complaining, but talking about as far as the deflationary like scenarios that they can't seem to fight against, right? They or can't seem to prevent. Like they have this as what did he what did he describe it as? Um fighting a current of constant deflation and that's part of it is this demographics issue the older the population and less younger population to replenish that older population the older population are not nearly as big of a consumer as a younger population would be so if you're in your 20s 30s 40s you're going to be more likely to go out there and spend money whether you're hanging out or just enjoying it buying stuff or you know whatever you're spending a lot of money when you get to be an older population and retirees, most of the time they're trying not to spend any money because they don't know really how long they're going to live and how much money they're going to have, you know, throughout the rest of their life. So most of the time they're done spending their money on all the frivolous stuff or even things that they need. They've already acquired those things. So if you have an older population that is bigger than your younger population, that in itself will cause the, you know, deflation to exist simply because you just don't have as many people out there spending as much money or borrowing money too. I mean, that's probably the bigger thing. All right. So, but we should go check it out. Actually, I should do a video on that because you, I believe you have mentioned that quite a few times. So I should go and check out some of the stuff. Uh, curious if you think the slowdown in building this summer could cause lumber prices to spike next spring and summer due to pent up demand. Um, it's going to, well, I think we're probably going to have to see what the environment looks like by then, you know, where the interest rates are, how much of a deep recession that we're into, whether we go into those job layoffs and stuff. Really, I would keep an eye on the mill curtailments. I think that's going to start showing itself as far as the inventory levels go. Um, you've, if you've watched my channel before, you've heard me mention Madison Lumber. Uh, she does an awesome lumber report talking about the mill curtailments, and I... I, again, I can't remember if it's a paid, or well, I'm pretty sure it's a paid subscription that you have to get to for her curtailment report, but she talks about it on her channel. So um, yeah, I would check out Madison Lumber for the mill curtailments, and I'm going to try and report on it when I hear about them as well. Once you hear about a lot of mill curtailments taking place and the tightening up of inventory, that's going to cause prices to go up. I mean, it, it does it every time, and if lumber prices drop below, say, anywhere 
down below 650 to the 600 mark, that's when mills start shutting down. They're like, you know, we're not doing it at this price. We have, you know, their labor cost is too high. The, the rest of the input cost is too much. And unless we can make more money off of this lumber, we're just going to stop developing and inventory will tighten up, prices will go up, and then we'll start going back into, into, into production again. And that's the way lumber mills have done it forever. I mean, that's the way they handle business. All right, I got about another 10 minutes, guys. Uh, let's see here. Unboxing a 100K play button is is a car. Might be YouTube first. Oh, in a car. Yeah, right on. Well, that's the way it's going to go down. I'm going to do it. All right, uneducated economists. What is the solution to low housing inventory problem? Is demand bound to outstrip supply for years to come? <clears throat> Good. It very well could. Um you know, one of the things that the Federal Reserve has said many times is that they have to have a functioning mortgage market in order for them to have a functioning monetary policy. I don't think they really care so much about where the prices go so long as people who want to take out a loan are able to get it. It's like so long as the market doesn't freeze up in the mortgages, then that's what they're looking for. Prices can go just about anywhere as long as that mortgage market is mortgage market is functioning. So I don't like I don't know like what is the um, what it would be the solution I I don't know like the only way you can really solve an inventory problem is to start building more homes and the problem with building homes now is that a lot of builders are just not profitable building a small little dinky rat ranch style like 1200 square foot starter home the the profit margin in it is so small that it's just not worth it to them. So builders have a tendency to build the most expensive, biggest home they can in order to make that profit margin work for them. Um, so if there was a situation in which that I feel like if government could just get out of the way of regulations and permits and all the, well, obviously you can't get away from it, but to make it less restrictive to build a home, well, then maybe the builders could have a little bit more profit margin that they could get if they were to lower the price and you know reduce the size of the home and the things that go into it. So that would be one way to increase inventory is to just basically get government out of the way. The other way is for the demographics issue, like um, Harry Dent talks a lot about, is that when you have this older population just dying off, essentially, well, that frees up a lot of the possible inventory that's out there or could be out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that people are doing right now that restrict people from buying homes, like the Airbnbs and stuff like that, where, you know, people just don't, like, around here, there's a bunch of Airbnbs, and if I was to think, man, if they were to take all those out, like, you just made them illegal, not saying that that's a solution, I'm not, I mean, it's free market capitalism, I'm cool with it, let the Airbnbs fly, right? But that's a problem. It's it's taken away the availability for somebody to you know buy a house and live here. They're pretty much only accessible to people who are move or not moving, but visiting here or traveling here. That doesn't give a whole lot of places for people who are working and working class to live. So, you know, there's a lot of things that can be done to try and increase the inventory, whether it's government regulation or not. Like it would take government regulation to free up the Airbnbs to, you know, saying those things you can't have them anymore. But then again, it would take like government getting out of the way for there to be, you know, cheaper homes to build. I, you know, that's, it's going to be a tough one, you know. Thank you very much. Uh, what does that say? Tate Te Tegan? 
for the five dollars thank you so much what advice will you give if i'm in a recession proof job well if you are in a recession proof job you're going to be quite fortunate now if we do run into a deep recession which a lot of people are saying we're going to it, it's still i mean we gotta we gotta get there to see but if you were in a recession proof job I would be loading up on cash. I would be getting into a cash position right now and waiting for that buying opportunity of all the stuff that you had really wanted or needed because people are going to sell off all their luxurious items in order to make their debt payments. And that's going to be a great position for you to be in if there's things that you need like that. Other than that, you're going to want to be in a cash position for when the stock market goes down or when there's available like investments typically at the bottom of the recession is really where you want to buy you know buy when there's blood in the streets and you be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy that's one of the reasons why i started getting into cash as much as i did is because everybody kept saying cash is trash and i was like it's not trash i mean yeah it sucks the dollar's not great it is a depreciating you know currency over time but right now we have a world that is going into crisis and a lot of this a lot of dollar demand is happening outside of the United States and that's going to drive the dollar ever higher. So at some point, you know, you're going to have, if you're in a cash position, I think you're going to be doing quite well. Um, and I mean, that goes for anybody. I mean, really, even if you don't have a recession proof job, if you get into a cash position now and you lose your job, at least you have a little bit of cash to carry you along. So for me right now, it's like I'm all cash. However, just because I just want you guys to know that what I do, you know, at least what I do with my money, I'm, this is not investment advice. You guys know I don't give investment advice. I've been buying uh, Altria, which is Marlboro cigarettes, Anheuser-Busch. I've been buying that stock up until last December is when I quit buying. I just made my first purchase again after seven months of, of not purchasing. I made a I made another purchase this morning into uh, Altria. So just to make it clear on the things that I invest in, that's again that's not investment advice. It's just what I've chosen to do, um, and and I'm starting to move back into that position. I mean it's it's at the I mean it's at the same price that we had experienced back I think in 2015, and like I said, it's dropped dramatically over the last seven months. So. I mean, right now I feel that that's probably a good thing to start dollar cost averaging into. Yeah, right on, Lord Humongous. Today is 7-Eleven Slurpee Day. Yeah, man, I wish I had a 7-Eleven. I would go get me a Slurpee. I don't, actually, I don't wish I had a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Max you can run, but you can't hide in the wasteland. Uh, toilet paper would be more appropriate than trash. <laughs> U.S. dollar cash is never trash until it is, you know? Gotta have a nice $100 bill collection stack like Castle Wall. I use one ounce gold coin pillars and 20 coin shakers. <laughs> right on. Lumber prices will be going up drastically after the wildfire season. Um, <clears throat> two things happen during that time. When you have a major wildfire season, that that does create a situation in which that the loggers can't go up there and log because of all the wildfires that are happening. But then something happens right after that as they go into salvage mode because not all trees burn up to like ash. Some of them, it's just the outside of the tree that got burned. And so they, which is now dead tree. 
and it's going to rot. So they go up there and they cut even more trees than what they would typically do out of that area and send them off to the mills to be milled up. So it does two things. It both curtails development, but then it also explodes development too as they try to salvage all those leftover trees. Uh, smoke them if you got them. Marlboros. Yeah, don't smoke. I don't. Well, I mean, I don't care what you do, but I don't smoke. You know, I don't. Well, I don't smoke cigarettes anyway. I don't smoke weed either anymore. Uh, if you if food and fuel keep rising due to additional printing, that will cause lots of pain. I know inventory issues are causing inflationary pressure, but more printing means more vacations and more excess. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, that's the thing though. It's like food and fuel. Like I know so many people have cut back on everything that they do just because of the food and fuel prices. I called bingo last night and the, you know, a lot of you guys know that I call a bingo game down at the local tavern. It's meat bingo. So we give away meat, like literally like chicken and steaks and stuff like that. Those are the prizes that we give away. And the blackout prize that we had was these two beautiful ribeyes. And I couldn't believe, like, the, the price tag on these two steaks was, like, almost $60. And I'm looking at it, and I was like, holy moly, these steaks, like, they were beautiful. They were, like, these awesome ribeyes. But I'm like, Jesus, these things are almost $30 a piece, and they're, like, not even cooked. You know? <laughs> All right. Uh, I gave my girl the meat bingo last night. Oh, come on, Lord. All right. Uh, let's see here. So the change of prices up or down, I may have missed it. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if we can really predict what the prices will do as far as going up or down. What I'm thinking that the contract being in a smaller size is going to bring a lot more people into the game. That's going to add a lot more liquidity to it. And then we're probably not going to have as much volatility. So we're going to find that equilibrium a lot faster with a smaller contract than if we had the 110,000 foot contract. Um, you know, like I've said it before, anything under 650, 600 per thousand, the mills are going to curtail development. And I feel anything over 800 per thousand, they're going to pump out as much lumber as they can. So it's going to be somewhere in there. I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly where. All right, give UE a super chat for that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, <laughs> guys, all right. Meet Bingo. Yeah, the insurance companies left Jack, left Jack the rate in fire-prone areas. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I work for UPS in Utah. I deliver to a subdivision that Dr. Horton has built. They went from having bidding wars to six houses on the market with no offers. Yeah, it's starting to happen. So it looks, I mean, again, if you, uh, um, not to, not to like, you know, put the naysay on like, you know, the inventory levels, Jason Hartman did a great presentation down at the Rebel Capitalist Live event. And pretty much after his presentation, I mean, what he showed that if you, even doubled or even tripled the amount of inventory that is on the market right now, it would still be historically low. So there's still a lot of room for inventory to build on this market. It's really like the demand from the people and then also how eager the sellers are. Like if you're a builder, you, you really can't sit on like, you know, especially you want those houses to sell and sell quickly, right? 
if you sit on, I mean, you can't sit on houses for years. You have to, you have to unload these things. And the easiest way to unload it is to drop the price. So considering that you have some that are sitting on the markets and prices are coming down, these are the signs of inventory levels rising. But again, it's probably going to have to be fairly significant amount of inventory coming onto the market before you see like any kind of major dramatic drops. I mean, even now, like I could take well over a 10% drop on the value of the house or the, 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 estimated assessed value or whatever it is from Zillow. I mean, I know you guys don't trust Zillow. All right. I get, I get it. Um, but even if I was to take like a 10% hit on that, it would still be higher than what I paid for the house. And considering how much down payment that, you know, a lot of people are putting down or have put down on their houses, it would have to drop pretty significantly before people start going underwater. And that's really where you start finding a lot of people are just giving up on their loans and letting it go into foreclosure. And that starts bringing the inventory levels up. But again, like that that part we haven't seen yet. Really, we're just seeing like homes not selling as fast as they once were. And that's actually showing more of a healthy mortgage market and housing market. You know, a house should sit on the market, should be multiple offers, you know, finding where those prices are. People who were paying over asking price, I mean, that was ridiculous. It just like that, that shouldn't happen. You know, we should have, we should have some, you know, some offers and, and time on the market. All right, guys, I'm going to give it three more minutes and then I got to go. Inventory is not low when you account for all the trends and rates. Realtors keep trying to pump it. Yeah, Zillow isn't reliable. They also screw themselves in their investment. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. All right. Uh, I switched home insurance after my premium increase saved $300. All right. Look at the bargain on silver stack them up yeah i was just talking with um with my coin guy and you know i was like it's i don't know it's not really related to silver but he just had an interesting story um where i guess i don't know if it was like a death in the family or something but anyway 20 ounces of gold came up for sale and he was able to do that transaction you know yeah i mean fulfill that transaction within it so there's, I have to think like how many people out there are sitting on silver, like sitting on a, on a hoard of silver. And I think like, you know, sometimes when the prices move up, like they say, there's just not a lot of available silver out there. It makes me wonder. Cause I think, man, 20 ounces, that's a lot of gold to have on hand just to, you know, hold it. I mean, to me, that seems like a lot, but I guess to a lot of people, that's probably not very much at all. But I think like, man, once the silver price runs up to like, you know, 40, 50, 60 dollars an ounce, how much available silver then starts coming onto the market as people who have been sitting on silver for a long time, waiting for the prices to go up, finally take advantage of that and start taking some money off the table. Uh, uh, what's the bullish case for silver besides debasement and solar panels? Um, that's a good question. I mean, there's a Outside of investor demand and fear of inflation or industrial use, there's really not a lot out there. I mean, people, hardly anybody I know uses silver to try and protect themselves or uses it as a savings or an insurance policy. Almost everybody that I talk to, like, they shake their head when you talk to them about silver. They're like, nope, not into it at all. So, I mean, really... Like if a lot of people started getting into silver, like they realize that it's a it's a decent insurance policy and you start having a lot of people moving into it, that would, you know, that would certainly do it.
I saved 20% by switching to Geico. Well, good for you. Uh, rural Texas homes are selling at a very fast pace at record prices. Yeah, so when we start seeing across the board, across the country, where people are saying, like, hey, the prices are dropping, they're, they're in my area, and that seems to be the case across the board, then you're going to start seeing the prices come down too. But Or, I mean, the inventory levels rise and the prices come down. But, I mean... Right now, I don't, I, I mean, I see some of it. I see kind of a start to it, but it's not significant yet. And once it gets significant, then we'll, then we can, you know, start saying, yeah, we're having a housing, you know, pop here or housing market drop. All right, guys, I have to go. I wish I could hang out here for hours like I normally do, but I got to go back to work. Uneducated economist, you guys let me know.